Faith Start Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbitz, and welcome back to the fourth Sunday after Pentecost for the week of June 20th, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I just have to say right off the rip, there is a lot of things we have to cover this week, but before we even get into any of that, happy Father's Day, at least here in the United States. I know this is a interesting holiday and there's a lot that we can dig into and the value of fathers and like we had last month the value of mothers but I think this week I kind of want to get into the mashed potatoes get right into what we're talking about fairly quickly but I wanted to make sure that there's at least a shout out and recognizing the father figures in our lives and the importance of those and especially within scripture that we have both from last month mothering images of God and definitely having fathering images of God. It's important to recognize those people. So let's jump right into the Twitter question from last week because we have a lot of readings and a lot of ground to cover this week. Where have you been surprised by God with an underdog? And I know this is kind of a hard question, a difficult question, but I think one of them we can look at is when we have different species on the endangered species list and watching them come back. And I look at for myself how a lot of birds of prey, raptors, which especially as a child and even still to this day are some of my favorite birds to watch and to look at, how 50 years ago there was a lot of question on how many of them were going to survive. Bald eagles, osprey, golden eagles, things of that nature, which was traced back to the effect of DDT on thinning their eggshells. And I think about the recovery that we've had, there's still ways to go. The eggshells still haven't fully recovered, but it's come a long way. And the recovery effort in the amount of individuals out in nature has recovered. And I think that's an underdog story that we at times even brush off too quickly. The reintroduction of wolves, we've talked about that so much into Yellowstone and the impact that that's had. The impact of what an underdog or something that's being counted out can have on an ecosystem or even as an individual can be quite huge. And I think sometimes we look at it too quickly and cast it aside, just like a mustard seed. And I think when we really recognize the value and the power that that has is when we really start actually making progress. So let's jump into these texts. There's a lot of them this week. So First, we have those semi-continuous texts, and you have two options, and that's partially why we have so many readings this week. So the first option is 1 Samuel chapter 17, optionally verse 1a, 4 through 11, and 19 through 23, and 32 through 49. This is a story of David and Goliath. And so a lot of the optional verses are kind of giving you some of the background to this. So you have the Philistines fighting and Saul is there and you just have the whole Israelites are just terrified. You have this huge man of Goliath that's 9 to 12 feet tall, just a mammoth of a man. And finally, kind of the story kind of gets chopped up here, but David goes to kind of help his brothers out. They're terrified by this person. He goes to Saul and says, I can take on this person. So Saul gives all this armor and to the point where David can barely walk and just like, no, this isn't my style. This isn't the way I'm going to do it. And so 
finally the next day as every day the Philistines come out and ask who will fight and David comes out and he has his slingshot and some stones and as you've probably heard the story before David slings the stones around and places the stone to the forehead of Goliath and takes him down. And it's a very interesting story. They cut it off before it gets really too gruesome. But it's an interesting story, especially of faith and looking at how God has continued to equip us, but also to look at just at times how we can get bogged down, how we can get in our own heads, if you want to say it that way. And it's just an interesting story. And it's definitely something we'll talk a little bit about this week. A psalm related to that one is Psalm 9, verses 9 through 20. This is a psalm, a little bit of triumph. It's a psalm of how the Lord continues to provide for his people, and it does help provide a way through. And especially, it talks about in verse 15, the nations have sunk in the pit that they have made, kind of this idea that the ones who aren't living with the Lord will eventually be compressed or repressed so that God can continue to provide. God can shine through and be a light amongst the darkness and will strike fear into the nations that don't know God. The other semi-continuous reading that we can look at from 1 Samuel is 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 57 to chapter 18 verse 5 and then continued in chapter 18 starting at verse 10 through 16. This shows a little bit of the relationship between Jonathan and David, who are just this really deep love that they have for each other. And we especially see that at the beginning, how Jonathan has been this good soldier. And now David has been kind of leading some of the army of Saul. And so Jonathan giving his own equipment to David. And then the second half of the reading, how Saul is getting envious of this that David continues to be successful out in the field, and so Saul is envious. And Saul has God leaving him and going into David, and David being somewhat scared at times because Saul tries to take his life, and yet it's the reassuring that because the Lord is with David, the Lord is continuing to protect David. The psalm correlated with that is Psalm 133, And it's a really short psalm, so I'm just going to read it to you. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Harmon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. So again, living in unity, working together, working in with God, internal within us, but also working within God in and amongst others so that we can see the blessings that are coming upon all of us. If you're going more with the traditional readings, you get the Old Testament reading of Job chapter 38 verses 1 to 11. And this is, the story of Job is just a crazy story in and of itself. But at this point, Job has been just really kind of questioning God. And God responds kind of, I think, kind of an interesting, fun response. Especially when he starts getting into like verse four here, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. 
And it's God laying out this understanding of you can only understand so much and that I've been here since the beginning of time. So there are things that I understand that you just can't comprehend. And that's partially why you continue to follow. That's partially why we're in this relationship is that because of the understanding that I have that I want to give to you, but it's going to take a long time, that that's why you follow, the trust that comes from that. The psalm then that goes with that is Psalm 107 verses 1 to 3 and 23 to 32. And this is reiterating the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever and that the love of God steers us and is calming us in a lot of these different things. It definitely is thrown in a little bit for the gospel text, which we'll get to, especially with verse 25, for he commanded and raised the stormy seas, which lifted up the waves. This idea, again, that the Lord is in control of this. And then it states in 29, he made the storm still and the waves of the sea were hushed that God has it, God is in control, and so thus we don't need to fear. We have to continue to trust in the love that God has provided to us. The New Testament reading, or the second reading, is coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1-13. to 13. And this is recognizing the different gifts that we have been given for ministry and recognizing that God continues to provide for these. But I think one of the things that I really recognize in this that I think it's so easy to overlook because it's the first thing out of our mouth this week for this text, as we work together with him, as we, as a community, as a church, as a faith community, work together with God, we have to understand that the grace of God is not taken in vain, that this is something that we should be rejoicing about and understanding that each of us is then giving different gifts And thus, let's work together to magnify the body. And as this kind of gets into, which is from the other Corinthians letter that Paul gets into, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about us as the body of Christ, that we're all working together in this, this isn't that much different. That we continue to recognize that there are going to be obstacles and hardships that come together and are put in our way. But thus, as a community, we are able to work together to get beyond them. The gospel text this week is out of Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. There's a little bit of context that we have to remember with this text before we even jump into it. Remember, this is very early in Jesus' ministry. This is very soon after the calling of the disciples. And they've seen a few small miracles of what Jesus has done. And then this story takes place. So on this day when evening had come, so this is an evening trip, Jesus states, let's go to the other side. The other side is where the Galileans are. So it's another territory. It's another country. It's outsiders. And so they're in a boat. And remember, there are fishermen in this boat. A great storm comes up and they fear that they're going to die. And especially within a lot of things you'll read about Leviathan, Leviathan being the great sea monster is going to eat them. And they're, as I've even heard about in some of the different discussions I've had with this, that their souls, they were going to be gobbled up by Leviathan. It's also the traditional Jewish funeral then would be taken care of. It wouldn't happen, which is a typical three-day festival. So there's a lot of fear that they're having. Teacher, do you not care about us perishing? He wakes up 
calms the sea by saying, peace be still, and then says, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they're kind of then amazed at the end, and that's where we get, is that disciples are kind of in awe of what Jesus has done. And there is a lot to get into here this week. But before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussion, they help me on a weekly basis, since I'm not an ordained minister, to bring you this podcast, along with the lectionary, the Revised Common Lectionary, coming from Vanderbilt.edu. If you haven't checked out either of these resources, I'd highly Highly recommend them. You can find Vanderbilt's at lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu or you can also check out workingpreacher.org. I'm going to plug something that I don't typically plug in a couple different things this week. One, I want to plug actually the podcast that I did talking about this three years ago and I will attach it in the show notes. And partially why is we talked about in depth about fear and what is going on biologically with fear and what's being stirred up. And I think it's still really solid. And so I would recommend checking that out and thinking about it again. The one thing I wish that I had stated in that is remember that there are skilled fishermen in the boat and they would know what to fear. The other thing I'm going to stir up and recommend you check out is actually a Disney Pixar film that I think was released this weekend is Luca. It's a really, really good film. I think there's a lot of relationship stuff, but one of the things that it really brings up in the film is change and the fear of change. Why is that? Why are we afraid of change? Because let's look at the disciples. The disciples have just decided to follow Jesus, right? This is still very early in the ministry, as we talked about. And now Jesus is trying to push them out of their comfort zone into a new country. They're doing a night boating trip, which is more dangerous. The sea rolls up. This does not look promising. Paul talking about in the letter, in the 2 Corinthians letter, about all the different things that can get in the way of ministry. Job questioning everything that's been going on and the Lord kind of laying, you know, laying this straight. But if you know the story of Job, how much he's questioning because of so much is going wrong in his life. And David, from one, not having the fear initially to be fight this, but the Israelites did. And Saul then, in the second First Samuel text, being fearful of losing power. So why is that? Why are we so worried about this? Why are we so scared? Why are, why do we fear so much? I'm going to attach some TED Talks down below because it really helped me think about a few things here. We as people like hiding behind perceived security. Think about it. How many decisions that we make are made with the idea that this is a secure, this is a safe Decision. I don't want to put myself and leave myself too vulnerable. Stella Bida did this really awesome, and like I stated, TED Talk, and I'll attach the links down below, change an opportunity rather than a fear. How this idea of we have conflicted ourselves with the idea of change as a thing that should be we should be scared of because we don't know what it can be. But it also prevents us from living out our dreams. 
the fear of change limits us from getting into a land of opportunity. If we can let go of the fear of change, it leads us into a land of opportunity. And why is that? Why do we have that in our DNA? And part of it's based off of how we make habits. How we make habits is that we have created a neural path that we know and secure. Think of like riding a bike. When you first had to start riding a bike, and many of you I'm assuming can, you have the balance section, you have the pedaling, you have the steering, and that's all prefrontal cortex because your brain is trying to process all this information and learn and get it all figured out. When you start to figure that out, the stratum inhibits the prefrontal cortex from focusing on that because now you figured it out to allow the brain to be able to focus on other things. It, if you look at your body now, there's a lot of ways that that's already going on. Do you think about breathing that much? The Methuselah in the back of your brain helps with that. The cerebellum in the back of your head helps with balance so you don't have to think about that. You just do it, allowing and opening up. Think about it as like a computer opening up memory to be able to focus and opening up RAM to be able to do other processes in your brain. We get accustomed to what we like doing, and that's why it takes so long for us to create a new habit. But we have to remember that our brain is still like clay, that we are still moldable. We are able to continue to be molded and shaped and be able to change behavior. Hence, advertising is a big one that we can still see where they are trying to convince us to change a behavior. So they're trying to have either like a reminder to a routine, to a reward, or a cue to cue a behavior to get a reward. And that's where as you continue to develop this new pathway, it can create a craving that we crave the reward. So thus we go through that process. This is all stuff of neurological stuff that we are We know, we understand, it's why New Year's resolutions are so difficult because you're trying to rewire your brain. You're trying to create new neural pathways and trying to say, I'm letting go of this or I'm making a new pathway. I'm letting go of a pathway or I'm changing a pathway. You're trying to, and I think about it this way, the more you do something, it's like taking a dirt road and making it a pavement road, making it into a rural county highway, making it into an interstate at some point to a freeway, you know? And if you have a freeway to redirect your freeway, to develop a new pathway again, to make that into a freeway and let that freeway decay, that takes a lot of work. Let's look at this text then again. Jesus has done a couple miracles. He's asked unlikely people, some fishermen, but just... People who are not the cream of the crop, let's say, to follow him. He does some miracles. Fantastic. We're figuring out who this guy is. This is still very early on in following this guy. Let's get in a boat and go to a new country. By the way, this country is not exactly friendly to you. And you have within your group, A group of people who are fishermen saying, why are we going at night? This makes me a little bit uneasy to begin with. I know how dangerous this can be. And then a storm blows in. Yeah, 
they're scared because there's so much changing. And there's probably moments where they're asking, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? So when Jesus states, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? That starts to answer the second question. Have you still no faith? They don't get it. And Jesus is kind of reiterating, I guess you still don't get it. I'm trying to redo everything about you. I'm changing who you are. You're going to look in the mirror and you're going to be a different person because you're still moldable. You're not just a fisherman anymore. As we will read later in the Gospels, I'm not going to make you a fisherman. I'm going to make you fishers of men. This reworking, Job questioning everything and God being like, where were you at the beginning of creation? I was there. Where were you? Do you understand all these different things? Because I was there. And does this not then give you some faith that I know what's going on here? Paul reassuring us that as we work together. Now, granted, remember, these groups of disciples, they don't know each other that well in the boat. So they go to him probably individually like, are you having us perish? I'm trying to create a heart within you. I'm trying to instill the beginnings of the Holy Spirit being placed within you and then understanding that because that Holy Spirit is within you, it also connects you to your neighbor, that we work together. And as these obstacles come up, we work together to get through them. And that's what we can see here from the Paul text. But look, at like, especially this first Samuel text, which I love the David and Goliath story. And especially when you get the breakdown of David putting on all of Saul's armor. Like this, okay, if you're going to go against what none of us have the guts to do, then you got to put on all this stuff because this is what we know. This is what protects us. Good luck. And David being like, what are you talking about? I have the gift of God within me, stirring within me saying, we can do this. And in this case, through prayer, through working with God, understanding I have the armor of God. I don't need this physical armor at this time. And then, as not only taking out Goliath, but we see in the other 1 Samuel reading, he then continues to do it because the armor of God is on him. And it makes people who don't have the armor of God jealous. God is trying to rework our brains. And we can see it. Trying to create new pathways to make us into the people that God desires for us to be. But it's our free will that gets in the way. It's our free will that says, Ah, but that means change. That means letting go of things. That means, ah, the angst. What is this going to mean? The fear is holding us back from the dream that God has for us. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't times to have fear, but the fear to change something, just a minor change, often does. What I see from these disciples in the boat is built up fear built up change where they'll, uh, okay, I guess I'll keep following this guy. Mm, uh, I guess I'll keep following this guy. Really, Jesus? Really? Really, you're going to do this? Yeah, I guess I'll keep following you. Now there's a storm. Now I'm going to die. Why the heck did I follow this guy? The neural pathways have not yet been connected. The change in creating this desire to go and help people is still being created. The disciples are still individuals at this point. They aren't a unit yet. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? The beginnings of a unit, but also not working together fully. 
not understanding what God is trying to stir up within them and create in them to take their brain and make it into something new. Because what they have known to this point, God, as we know throughout the gospel, is about to radically shake up their world, radically change how they perceive the world. And this is the beginnings of it. And it's going to make people upset. And it's going to make things hard and difficult. And there's going to be obstacles in the way. But as long as we are chasing after the vision of where God is wanting us to go, we also know that we have an armor of protection. And we also know from neuroscience that our brain is moldable. And if you check out that last podcast when I go into talking about fear, there's also a reason why Jesus is saying do not fear. Because it's the long and short of it, fear gets you to worry about yourself, not worry about others. And we know where Jesus's ministry is going. And thus, this is the beginning of that transformation. We are watching throughout the gospels, the transformation of these disciples, as we should be transformed to be able to look and be like Christ. And we know that Jesus is trying to create a new habit within them to be able to see the Spirit of God within them, a longing to be able to connect with the lost, longing to connect long outside of just the tribe of Israel into the Galileans, that they are still part of this family that God intends. So we have to get outside of that comfort zone. We have to get into a place that isn't... isn't comfortable for them. So the Twitter question I have for you is simple, but very difficult. How comfortable are you with being uncomfortable? How comfortable are you with being uncomfortable? It's something that I've stated so many times to my youth, and I think it's something as a church, I know it's a dangerous statement in some ways, but I think also within the church, we are very comfortable with being comfortable. And I think there are times that we have to be challenged and pushed. And we look at the shaping and molding that Jesus is doing with his disciples here and how we can see that our own brain is designed to be able to be moldable and change. Thus, we should not be fearing change. We should be fearing not changing. We should be fearing being comfortable. Because the question then becomes, if we are comfortable, and the question that Jesus asked, have you still no faith, is that really then the question that we have when we're being so comfortable that we're not not willing to venture out? We have a moldable brain to be able to do great things, and we often hold ourselves back. So the question then becomes, can we change that? And the science shows us that yes, we can. So now the question becomes, are you going to be willing and able to do that? And that's a whole nother can of worms. It's hard. It's difficult. But that's why we do this together. That's why the disciples at this point are still in a group. This is why David was still in charge of an army of people. He still had Jonathan to give him support as Saul is attacking him. We have God talking with Job and recognizing, you've been getting some bad advice. I am still with you. Paul giving those words of encouragement that as things look difficult, God is still with you. You can still do this, and I am still praying for you. We are all in this together. 
So let us then proceed and be open to challenging our fear and pushing forward into the dreams that God has for us. Are you excited about that? Because I am. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>